0: Welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Your attention is directed to Mining Your P's and Q's, where we examine the sometimes treacherous aspects of business etiquette from a variety of angles. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Few topics truly make people feel uneasy or uncertain like a good old salary negotiation, particularly when an individual seems like the ideal fit for all sides. There are a variety of major and minor factors to consider, and for that we've brought in an experienced human resources professional, Joining us from Maryland is Stephanie Lomax, Director of Human Resources at Rolling Companies. Stephanie, thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me, Tim.
0: Uh, before we really delve into the topic and, and some maybe specific aspects of it, what exactly is your experience in dealing with a variety of salary negotiations?
1: Well, you know, from a personal standpoint, I mean, my first experience trying to negotiate or even working where a salary was even a topic. Um, was as a high school student when I was looking for a summer job and quite honestly I didn't negotiate anything because I just wanted a job (laughs) (laughs) so I didn't take the time to do a lot of research etc they offered I said yes and that was kind of the end of it my mom actually worked in HR for over 30 years so I did have a little bit of an advantage Listening to her about some of the do's and don'ts, um, I did get a chance to work in her office as an admin assistant and "quote unquote" negotiated my hourly rate uh, for that position. When I graduated from college, you know, I took my first corporate job, and because it was my first corporate job, I didn't negotiate that salary either. <laughs> um, you know, as a college student just out, I was excited about the opportunity and jumped right on it but as I continued to gain experience as an employee in the work world I began to learn what was expected of me to perform the duties and the various roles that I worked in so salary negotiation became a little easier obviously you know the employer wants the best candidate that will fit within their budget and will keep internal equity the candidate wants to secure a salary that's gonna provide a lifestyle for their family and is going to make them feel good about what they do and makes them feel valued based on their skills and their experience and qualifications the interesting thing about salary negotiation is that it doesn't only take place during the interview process Um, a lot of it takes place also during the employees entire life cycle within the organization you have performance management process reorganizations promotions pay for performance models etc so you know to even take it a step further Once the employee is hired, the employee wants to see this growth potential within the organization, which is often going to be tied to, of course, increased salaries Mm -hmm. and earning opportunities. And the employer works to find that delicate balance of maintaining that internal equity while also trying to reward the employee for a job well done.
0: So in general, since you sort of brought up that aspect of it and you mentioned your experience even, um, you know, sort of taking the job as it was, taking the initial offer. I mean, are salary negotiations pretty typical still or are there times where maybe that's it's not appropriate or it doesn't necessarily come up? What's sort of been your experience?
1: Definitely, it's still it's still taking place. Um, this This dance or this courting situation, I like to call it is something that is going to be critical from both sides of the sta- of the table. So it's definitely something that still takes place. I would say they are less difficult because there's so much information that's right. available out there. So the employee has a little bit of an advantage in some situations and the employer also has that in some. So you know, they know that information's kind of floating out there. It's just a matter of kind of fine- tuning and honing in on exactly what it is that they need.
0: Let's look at it then first from sort of a job seeker's perspective. You know, perhaps they, you know, they have an offer essentially on the table. They're coming in to discuss that initial salary before they even get in there. Even if they have every intention of, you know, hopefully taking that position, what sort of things should they really be prepared for? What sort of things should they have done so that when they step into that negotiation, they know what they're talking about and they understand what their value is?
1: You know, that's a great question. Um, The best strategy that a candidate has is to really know the company and the industry for which they're going to be applying and get as much information upfront about the position, hmm. which could include why the position's even vacant. Hmm. You know, is it a new position, is it uh, a backfill, et cetera. Sure. And that really can provide a lot of valuable insight to the employee going into the door.
0: What about other ways, possibly, to to maybe find out what the pay scale is like, or, or maybe, you know, maybe things like promotions or bonuses? I mean, are there you know even websites out there like Payscale.com or Salary.com? Are those things accurate? Are there other ways to sort of, without maybe asking directly? I don't know for what reason, maybe just fear of of some sort of uh, um, backlash in some way. What are some other strategies, maybe, or sites like those? Are they accurate even?
1: You know, that's another great question. The difficult part is that, you know, unless a candidate is interviewing for a government or a municipal job where they publish their pay scales, it is a little difficult to know what the company's actual compensation model is. Um, A lot of employers are beginning to publish ranges for positions when they post jobs to a lot of the job sites where, you know, they're looking to recruit individuals. Um, and then also they have to know though, even that's even up for negotiation since it's not likely that the employer is posting what their their maximum pay scale is gonna be. Mm-hmm. The best information, like you mentioned, that the candidate can be armed with is some comparable pay ranges, which they can get from salary.com, payscale.com. Um, and you know, understand that they wanna use that in relationship to their education, their experience, their skill set, and the industry, which is very critical. Another great selling point to an employer is how much the candidate knows about the company and how their skills as a candidate can transfer to what the company does. So knowing exactly what the company does, what industry they're in, what their core competencies are, and how those skills can transfer or enhance any of those things. That's a great selling point for a candidate to go into the door.
0: Let's take then into that into that, in, into that negotiation uh, you know obviously the candidate sits in it might be some sort of casual at first as it is just a, a job offer maybe they throw that salary out there but as a candidate as that job seeker what sort of things should you have in mind if you're ready to go into negotiation, if you're looking to to possibly see what you can get, and you can go over you like with this, I know I sent you a couple of uh, you know just things that I jotted down. But uh, what would you say you you must have really at the top of your mind when you are even thinking about negotiating a salary?
1: You know, the first thing is that the candidate has to be honest and realistic about their requirements, hmm. and they should have also some degree of flexibility around some of the potential incentives that the employer may be willing to offer. So you know, money is important, and obviously, we all need that to survive on. But you know, there are other pieces to this that play a critical role in terms of shaping what the um, experience for the candidate is going to be as once they become an employee.
0: How about uh, one of the things I've you know you read things, we talk to people around here obviously with with some of our programs on local job network and you, you have this idea of maybe a breaking point that where you say, you know I can't do less than this or uh, or maybe a, giving a range of some sort. are those things that should be in someone's mind based on some of those other factors you've talked about? or is that sort of a, a risky a risky thing to do?
1: No, absolutely. I definitely think that a candidate needs to know what their absolute minimum is given what the employer is willing to offer as, you know, kind of to bring, bring it up and make it equal to the employee or the candidate in their eyes. Taking a position that's going to pay below what the candidate really wants has a very high potential to create an uncomfortable work situation in the long run. Mm-hmm. If possible, you know, it's good to know what some of the other benefits are that are offered that may play a factor, and that could be anything from medical insurance to paid time off and holidays. 401k match, commute, telecommuting opportunities, and some of you know these things really can weigh very heavily if the take-home salary is going to be lower than what the candidate may be looking for.
0: I think it's a good point you bring up that sometimes we forget about those other factors because, as you said, you know money obviously is important, and you see that number, and you you kind of have an idea in your head of how that works with your bills and all that sort of stuff. But uh, exactly. But, but as you talked about, I mean the value does go up with some of those other other areas you mentioned now how about in terms of leverage you hear this with any negotiation really in terms of who has the leverage you know i need you more than you need me if you have other offers out there other interviews i mean does that come up during a negotiation should that be something that's mentioned even in maybe that initial job interview what's the strategy there that maybe is proper etiquette but also good strategy if you're uh, seeking a job
1: definitely there's always room for negotiation so a, a candidate should never feel like they have no leverage but it's important to recognize that there's a cost to this from the employer standpoint Mm -hmm. and just as some of the other factors that are perks and benefits to the employee are critical there's a cost associated with that too from the employer standpoint so that's definitely something that needs to be taken into account I don't think it's a good idea to use another job offer as leverage in terms of trying to use that angle. Mm-hmm. But if it is part of the general conversation, I definitely recommend being honest. You don't want to leave somebody in the wrong direction just to say, oh, hey, well, I've got another job. Right another job offer. So, you know, most employers, when they're interviewing candidates, they expect that they're not the only one that's interviewing them. So they assume that another offer from another company may be part of the equation. And a good recruiter and a good hiring manager and a good HR department is going to know that information going into presenting the offer so they don't get blindsided after they make the offer and then have to kind of backtrack um, to make up a difference.
0: When me talk about then the idea of starting this negotiation or, or, you know, possibly an employer does give an offer right up front. But a lot of times maybe there's this talk about not throwing out that first number in terms of that salary. Why exactly is that if everybody sort of knows the general area that that everyone's trying to fit into, why is it still important that the candidate doesn't necessarily put that number out there one way or the other?
1: Right. Especially not first. Right. you know, honestly, employers want to know that the candidate is going to be focused on and interested in the opportunity that they're interviewing for, not just, you know, what the salary is and what you can give to me uh, type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Most people are, that are working are working to gain some kind of financial benefit, mm-hmm. you know, so they know that the salary is important and that's kind of an unspoken, but when a candidate goes in and they kind of lead with the salary conversation, it can make the employer wonder where their focus really is are they going to use this as a stepping stone to kind of get them to the next uh... to the next part or the next position or are they really focused on you know really learning the job and providing a value to us as the employer
0: now, if the employer does sort of bring up the conversation, whether it be in, in a formal setting or maybe it's even prior in an interview, obviously they might be looking to find a range. What are you kind of looking for? What do you think is, is fair market value to type type of thing? If you are asked that as a job seeker by whether it be an HR professional, a recruiter of some sort, what's a good answer there so you're not necessarily you know showing them your cards right away?
1: Right. Definitely, I would recommend staying with the range, mm-hmm. and you know when you're talking about giving a range, you probably want to stay somewhere just above where your absolute minimum is, um, and then kind of swing up just a little. I mean, you don't want to price yourself out completely, sure. Um, but you want to give a realistic range, and again, using some of those internet sources that we had talked about earlier. The Bureau of Labor Statistics gives great information and salary information as well as industry breakdown positions, how many people are in the position based on where you live. So it gives a lot of information. And uh, the Society for Human Resource Management also has benchmarking salary information. So having some of that knowledge going into the situation up front helps to kind of shape what that range may actually look like.
0: You know, and I experienced this also uh, even before... Really, when you're applying for a job, a lot of times they'll you'll fill out some sort of application. It uh, has a work history, and it'll ask for what your previous salaries were. And a lot of times, it'll even say, you know, everything has to be filled out, which would include that section, um, or or you won't be considered. So obviously, right. there the employer is going to be getting an idea what you've been making, which you know, in my mind, is going to argue that that could help in terms of the negotiation and, and leverage, if you will. But what should you do in that case as an applicant? I mean, you have to be honest and you, if you omit it, you obviously have, they warned you that you wouldn't be considered. So is it best to just be honest about it and, and really that's a discussion for later then?
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, the old saying is no one wants a relationship built on a lie. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, so um, it's important to note that, you know, the employment applications are often used for verification of lots of information right. and that including salary. So employers in this day and age, they are technologically savvy. They're using various types of technology, including social media outlets, to do a lot of this data verification, which may include salary history. Also the employment application is a signed document, and that signed document basically verifies that the information that's contained in it is true. So in all fairness to an employer, they don't really know what they're getting. They're looking at paper mm-hmm. and um, they're often receiving tons of applications for openings, especially since we're, you know, recovering from an economy that did a lot of downsizing and right sizing. And so those verification tools like salary history are often pre screeners also to narrow down the pool of candidates to a manageable number.
0: Now, let's say that an offer is put out there, uh, you know, and this is maybe a little psychology side of things, but as an individual, you, that job seeker, that candidate, you get that offer. Are there certain things that maybe you would be looking for to see how they react? Maybe little tells, like you know, they were offended by that or they, they're excited about it and there's, there's not going to be a need to negotiate. I mean, how would you coach that job seeker to react when they're given an offer, really good or bad?
1: Well, you know, hopefully when they do make the offer, it's it's close to what they want. And right. the negotiation is going to be, you know, a $1,000 difference. Do I really want to negotiate over $1,000 after taxes, et cetera? What is that really going to come out to me to have to go through a day or two of talking about this $1,000? You know, now we're talking $10,000. That's a completely different situation. Right. And the reaction certainly is going to be different from the employee standpoint. Most often these days employers are using this technology to email candidates offer letters I know that I do that okay. myself just it's a lot faster um, or they're calling them on the phone still hmm. even and they're providing that offer over the phone So at this point, you know, the candidate kind of has the advantage because they don't have to answer right away. If they're getting an email, they're opening the letter, they're taking a look at it and they're saying, oh, gosh, really? This is what you're going (laughs) to offer me? Or, oh, yay, this is great, you know, (laughs) or somewhere in between there. So the best thing to do from from an employee standpoint or from a candidate standpoint, if you get an offer, if you're on the phone with the person, they make the offer. It's not quite what you thought it was going to be, but you may be okay with it. The best way to handle that really is to just say, you know, thank you very much for the offer. If you don't mind, I'd like to just, you know, consider it, take a look at it overnight, think about a few things, or blame it on your spouse, you know, say, (laughs) hey, I need to talk to my spouse about this. If you don't mind, can I get back to you? If the offer is considerably lower than what the candidate was expecting and they're talking on the phone to the person, then, you know, you still want to be grateful. You know, I really appreciate the offer. It is a little lower than what I was anticipating. Is there any you know, room for negotiation based on you know, the duties and responsibilities that we discussed and the skills that I'm going to bring to the position? You know, and and concurrently, that same information can be um, can be portrayed in an email, and you just want to keep the tone light. You don't want to say, you know, start the email off with O M G exclamation point, you know. So you just want to try to, you know, keep it professional. Let them know that you appreciate it, and then kind of make your argument if you're going to go into a negotiation. As to you know why you feel that it should be X dollars instead.
0: Well, let's talk just touch on touch on that briefly. Really, you get that offer maybe that as you said it's just not quite what you you thought it was going to be or or you have in your mind. You know it really needs to be something a little higher for for whatever reason. Is there a strategy? Is there a way to sort of help bring up that value? Or, you know, I guess the the ultimate thing could be a a walk away strategy, which involves its own risks. Uh, Does that work? Are there other strategies that works to maybe get the employer to up the ante a little bit?
1: You know, definitely the walk away strategy um, is a tough one because if you have a job, it's a little easier to right. walk away. Um, you know, obviously you're looking for a reason, but because you're looking doesn't mean that it's immediate. So, you know, you've got a little bit of leverage from a candidate standpoint in, in that instance, um, because you don't have to go. If you don't have a job and you decide to walk away from it, it really needs to be because the offer is just completely, you know, unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And not because you're hoping that you know, your disdain for the offer is going to cause the employer to say, oh, well, maybe we should just toss some more money at, at, at them, you know, or at me.
0: <laughs> now let's look at it then from the employer's point of view, because obviously that's an important aspect of it in, in terms of where the negotiations start and how they get there. I think that's usually the biggest question really is what are employers basing that initial offer on or any of their negotiations upon? I mean, I know it's going to be a little different for each industry and depending on the the position. But generally speaking, what are they looking at?
1: They're looking at what the candidate brings to the table in terms of their skills, how those skills match, what the job description is they're trying to fill. Um, Again, you know, is this a brand new position that we're trying to fill? And Mm. we've got some kind of, you know, we've got some room. Are we a startup company or are we kind of in the growth Uh, mode and we're willing to take some additional risk because we really need to get this done? Are we kind of at a stable point where, you know, we've been in the industry for a while, we know what the industry does, we know financially where we are, and we're able to say, you know, definitely this is where the range is. Um, Again, that internal equity comes into play a lot of times because you don't want to offer a new person coming in more money necessarily, and there's caveats to this, of course. Um, but you, you know, ideally, you're not going to bring a new person in that's going to be making more money than people already in the position that have the same skills mm-hmm. and have the same qualifications, because that disrupts things on a lot of levels. And let me tell you. I've been in HR for 14 years. Candidates talk about money all of the time. <laughs> so it's not, you know, don't talk about this offer because they're going to find out. So, you know, those are things that have to be considered from the employer standpoint when they're going in to make, you know, this offer to the to the candidate.
0: Would you say that, I mean, you did mention a little bit there, maybe a startup versus an established organization, um, in terms of maybe the strategy is altered a little bit or or it is a little different. Um if you get a candidate in that, I mean, just seems to fit everything well, uh, but they're looking for more money or there's something else that's that's not fitting there. I mean, do you see that as a case where you step outside your your normal philosophy, even if it, if it costs a little extra money where you, you adjust that strategy? Or is it important to stay consistent with, with basically what your plan is all the time?
1: Well, you know, it's consistency is going to help keep... Lawsuits and EEOC audits out of your hair. And that's important. <laughs> so you want to be absolutely. You want to be consistent and fair. That doesn't mean that if you're hiring for you know a a niche position where mm-hmm. you know the person has a specific set of skills that you need to fill, and while there may be comparable employees that work there, they have kind of this one extra thing that you can justify paying them this additional money. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, and as long as you're able to justify it. I think, you know, I think from an employer standpoint, you'll be okay. What you don't want to do is make it a practice where, you know, you've got people coming in and you get into a lot of, you know, the EEOC categories in terms of, you know, title seven, et cetera. So you want to be kind of careful and be mindful. HR plays a very critical role in this aspect. So if it gets to the point where you have a candidate and they fit all of the bill, but they're going to ask for more money and you really, the hiring manager really wants this person, Definitely pull HR into the scenario if they're not already involved. Kind of let them know what's going on and have them to run some analysis for you. Like, you know, look, let's look at education. Let's look at experience. Let's look at, uh, you know, how far is the person going to be commuting? Let's look at, you know, kind of what that work-life balance is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Are, do they need medical insurance you know all those things are gonna come into play or can come into play if you're trying to get somebody in the door a lot of companies also offer signing bonuses as a as a way to secure someone so even though they may not be offering them X number of dollars for the annual salary they are willing to put out a a bonus to them a signing bonus to secure to secure the talent
0: now, as we continue to sort of look at it from the employer's point of view, we talk about putting a number out there or maybe a range. You know, a lot of positions you'll see now, it'll, it'll list a range of, of salary that they'd be looking to offer someone. Let's talk about a little maybe the pros and cons uh, of that perspective. For example, maybe you have that range out there initially, and when they come in for the offer as an employer, you give something on the lower scale of that. Is there a, is there a particular pro and con to that strategy as an employer?
1: you know there definitely is Uh, the pro is that if the candidate accepts it the employer is going to get a candidate for less money than they anticipated so they're great you know they're happy because they're able to kind of save their bottom line so to speak the con to this though and it's a big one (laughs) is that it may backfire right because once the candidate gets in there and they become an employee again we talked about the salary conversations among employees so you know it's likely that it's going to get out there and so likely the candidate is going to negotiate if they know their information up front kind of going in they know what the market value is the employer needs to definitely be prepared to negotiate that salary and to provide justification as to why they're offering it on such a low end of the scale.
0: Well, since you brought that point up, do you feel that employers, for the most part, obviously we're speaking generalities, that they do expect a little bit of a back and forth at some point with people that they bring in?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And even more so when you start talking about, you know, hiring at management or executive levels. I mean, there's, you know, tons of things that Candidates can ask for. It doesn't mean that it has to be given. But the higher you go up on the management scale, mm-hmm. the more negotiation is likely to occur because now you're t- you're talking about individuals that have you know, years and years of experience and, you know, are very well versed in their industry and their, you know, in their particular area of expertise. And so they're going to definitely use that to stand on, to try to negotiate, you know, harder for all types of things, including, you know, additional salary.
0: On the flip side, there are times, and I'm sure other people have experienced this too, or an employer, a potential employer really is giving you this offer. It's basically a one-time offer. This is what we give. We don't really negotiate, take it or leave it. What's your take on that strategy, both maybe the good and the bad?
1: This is a big risk for an employer. Um, the pro, and there is there is one, there's probably more than one, but from my standpoint, <laughs> you know.
0: The biggest one.
1: one. <laughs> exactly. You've got a shortened time frame to fill the position because you're not going to be spending a lot of time negotiating. The best strategy, if you know you're going to do that, a lot of employers um, that have this type of philosophy have generally published their information. Okay. So, and a candidate's going to know going up front that this is kind of what the range is, or this is what the actual salary is. So, when you submit your application, you're saying, "I understand that this is what the range is." Sure. Um, and if it is a hard nosed, you know, final take it or leave it situation. I would definitely uh, broach that conversation prior to making the offer so that the candidate can kind of be prepared for what they okay. get is going to be all they're going to get. Right. And the con to that is that you may have, as an employer, a quality candidate that's going to walk away altogether. When just a minor negotiation may have actually sealed the deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, as we talk about, a lot of times there will be some sort of little back and forth, possibly. But is there a point, or is there a way to figure out, as a you know, as a strategy or as a philosophy, when as an employer it's time to say, look, you know, we've we've done this a little bit. This is our final offer. I mean, do you always have a number in the back of your mind, sort of a ceiling, or, or is there another strategy you can employ?
1: An employer going in, I mean, from the time that they fill out and open requisition they kind of know what their range is and that's you know the very low end and the maximum they, they have a pretty good idea especially if they've been doing this for a while and even more so if HR is involved in that process mm-hmm. you know employers don't want to waste a lot of time you know days and weeks negotiating an offer that's just you know open positions cost money also Right. <laughs> so they don't want to spend a lot of time doing that if you have an experienced manager or an HR professional, they can usually finalize an offer even with negotiations in a day or two, if they're asking the right questions, if they've you know provided the candidate with the right information, um, and so they're hitting all these you know correct hot buttons. And like I said, HR can pull information into this negotiation to kind of help seal the deal, If it starts to draw out longer than a few days or it seems like the difference in salary is nominal or they're completely on other side, you know, opposite sides of the spectrum, then the employer has to really make the call as to whether they want to pull the offer and start all over or do they want to move on to second round of candidates hoping that a lot of time hasn't been spent, you know, uh, courting this one candidate and now even the second tier candidates are no longer available. So that time frame is, is, you know, it's not terribly tight, but it definitely is something that has to be kept in mind when you talk about doing these uh, negotiations and spending a lot of time doing them.
0: Now, obviously, we've touched on a lot of different areas and, uh, you know, we appreciate the insight and we are getting a little low on time. So I just wanted to be able to ask you if you were going to put out just your, your best piece of advice based on your experience and obviously the, the different you know, sides you've seen and the different things you've you've experienced yourself. What would be that piece of advice you'd give first to the job seeker, the candidate for the position, and then also for the employer? Just sort of that that key nugget.
1: Sure. From the candidate standpoint, you want to be confident in what you bring to the table and knowledgeable about the company you're interviewing for, the industry, and the position that you're actually applying for. Having done the due diligence in the beginning will go, definitely go you know, a long way in how the salary negotiation process works for the candidate in the end. Lastly, it's important to know that you have competition out there. Hmm. From the employer standpoint, employers should never go into a situation intending to lowball a candidate. You want to be fair to the candidate. You want to know the true market value for the position. Be prepared to discuss other benefits or incentives that you can offer if it appears a candidate is shying away from the salary that you offered, but also be prepared to consider additional compensation if the budget you know, allows for a little bit of, of negotiating room.
0: Well, Stephanie, thanks again for coming in and giving us some perspective in this area, uh, salary negotiations. Um, obviously, useful tips for all the parties involved, and we, we definitely appreciate your insight.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And with that, we will bring Minding Your P's and Q's to its conclusion today. Our guest, again, has been Stephanie Lomax, Director of HR at Rolling Companies. And, of course, we're always happy to hear from you, the listener, as well. So please continue your learning and development here on Minding Your P's and Q's, part of LocalJobNetwork.com radio. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at LocalJobNetwork.com. Until we speak again, I'm your host, Tim Muma.